and FOC family. Welcome back to Refresh Bible Study. I'm Pastor Ralph, and I'm so glad to be here with you this evening. Uh, we're going to have a good time in the Word tonight. Before we do that, let's do a couple of things. Let's make sure that we are, you're helping us with a little social media outreach. Uh, so please make sure that you uh, like or love the broadcast. Uh, tag friends. I see you guys are already doing that. You're tagging people. Make sure you let them know that we're on, we're live uh, for, for the word of God, right? Uh, then share where you have permission. So anywhere that you have permission to share the broadcast, we ask that you, you do that and that will help us out. All right. So you guys continue to tag as you've been tagging, uh, like and love, sharing your story, sharing your page. All right. Also, welcome to all of our first-time visitors. We are so glad that you've chosen Fellowship of Champions as a place to worship this evening. So we pray that you'll be blessed by the word. If you are a first-time visitor, let us know in the comments so one of our virtual greeters can make sure to let you know how grateful we are to have you, all right? All you got to do is just type, hey, first time, and then they'll take it from there. Also, if you've been coming to FOC and you've been attending our virtual services, maybe you've even attended a, 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 a huddle, one of our face-to-face -face services, but if you haven't become a partner, I think you should stop what you're doing right now, grab your device and go to focchurch.com and become a partner today. It's really easy. You scroll down to the middle of the website, you go to the partnership form, you fill it out, maybe three to five minutes, and then you submit the information. And that's how you start the uh, partnership with FOC. And then we send you information. We pray for you, we cover you. Uh, you will become a part of an international ministry that's making an impact for the kingdom all around the world. And so partnership definitely has its privileges. You can read more about that on our website, all right? If you haven't already, I encourage you to subscribe to our various podcasts, right? We have the four things we're not to, we, we're going to do every year, I mean, every day, right? And one of those is don't miss a word. Uh, they're up there. Commit to not missing the service for a year. Read your word daily. Take communion more often and pray in tongues an hour each day. Well, it's really easy to not miss a service when you subscribe to our podcast. That makes it really easy. Why? Because it will come to your phone. You don't have to miss out on anything because everything comes to your phone. I pick up my, I have an iPhone and an Android, right? So I'm on both teams right now. And so what doesn't matter which device you have, it's in a Google Play store and it's in the uh, podcast store for I, Apple and it's on Spotify and you have YouTube and you have Facebook. I personally like to listen without being interrupted. So I'll put mine on a podcast so that I don't have to worry about staying on the web browser or something like that. So make sure you subscribe to that. That'll help us out. All right. Next huddle. Our next huddle is Sunday, May 28th at 11 a.m. We're encouraging you to be there. All right, be there. I think I uh, I missed the last huddle, uh, but I will definitely be at this next one. And so I want to see you there. Uh, so make your plans to be there uh, in our, at our Northwest Arkansas location in Fayetteville, Arkansas. All right. And I want to put out a plug. If you missed Relationships 101 yesterday, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, all right? Now, the next one is going to be May 2nd. 
But May 2nd is probably going to build off of what we talked about yesterday, which is understanding apology languages, learning how to apologize, the communication of that. And man, what a good time. I learned a lot. Me and April were side-eyeing each other through the whole thing. Like, oh, girl, that's you. She's like, no, that's you. And so we learned, even now, we've been married almost 20 years and dated five before that, but we're still learning because why? As life goes on, people change. We took the apology language test over. We took the love language test over and some of our things have shifted. But on our apology lang language, we're tick for tack about the same. We want restitution and reward. We want to know how you going to make it right. And so if you uh, are in any type of relationship and have and struggle with uh with apologizing and, and communicating that, I encourage you to take the time out to go listen to yesterday's uh, Relationship 101 and then join us again on May 2nd, all right? Those are all the announcements that we're gonna go over at this time because we're 10 minutes already into the broadcast tonight. So let us pray and get into the word. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to fellowship. We thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that on tonight, God, you're open, our, our eyes will be open, our ears will be open to hear what you have to say uh, and that we will grow up and become more like you. We thank you, God, that tonight, God, we'll get we'll have walk in the revelation of that your way is better, that we'll throw down our own ways, we'll throw down pride, we'll throw down tradition, we'll throw down our personal endeavors and selfishness. We're, we will throw down our flesh, God, and we will pick up your ways. We will trust in you with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding, Father. We declare that you are our anchor, you are our foundation, and we build upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, good people. Uh, I missed y'all. I've been away a couple weeks, uh, so I appreciate uh, Pastor Nitra, Pastor uh Edwin holding it down. We're going to have a couple more people join us on Wednesday. So, uh, so you guys keep tuning in. It could be me. It could be anybody. But you're always going to get an excellent word here at FOC. All right. So tonight, you guys know we wrapped up the Power Discipline series. Uh, but tonight, I mean, you could throw this one in there. But we're just going to call tonight's message, God's Way is Better. All right. And we're going to come from the book of Proverbs. You know, Proverbs is known for its wisdom. Right. And Proverbs 14 and 12 states states this. And it's not in there said at the top. So don't worry about it. I'll read it later. It says there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. This verse reminds us that human understanding, our understanding and reasoning is flawed and that we must rely on God's wisdom to guide our lives. Our understanding is flawed. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how many universities you matriculated through. I don't care about any of that. Your wisdom through your flesh is flawed. We live in a world where many people believe that they can find happiness and fulfillment by following their own desires and impulses. They pursue wealth, pleasure, success without regard for God's laws or consequences of their actions. That's not us. It says they trust in their own intelligence and their own ability to make decisions. But in the end, their choices lead to destruction. Anytime we lean on our own understanding, our choices will lead to destruction. The problem is this, that our human nature is prone to sin and selfishness. Innately within us, we sin and we always try to protect self. We are easily tempted by the things of this world 
and can be deceived by our own desires. We may think that we know what is best for us, but in our flesh, we lack wisdom. Go ahead and type that. Say, in my flesh, I lack wisdom. Because you can't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. In your flesh, you lack wisdom to make good choices. That's why we need God's guidance and direction in our life. And that's why we're talking about tonight. God's way is better. All right. For the unbeliever, God's ways are not known, right? We quote that scripture often, God's ways are not my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts. That's for the unbeliever. But for the believer, he has made known his ways. He has given us the mind of Christ. He, he And God sees things from an eternal perspective and has given us the ability and insight to know what he knows. So that whole God's way is not my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts, that's not for us. As born-again believers, we have access to the uh, thoughts of God through Holy Spirit. And so in John 14 and 6, it says this, I am the way, I am the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as we talk tonight, we got to understand that the only way to true happiness, the only way to peace and the only way to complete life is to do it through Jesus Christ. We have to surrender our lives to him and follow his teachings so we can avoid the path of destruction that Proverbs warns us about. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. God's way is better. How us in our flesh, we have an innate characteristic to sin and come short of God's will. How in our flesh, we do not have the wisdom to make the proper decisions to live the life that God premises us in John 10 and 10. So let us not be deceived by our own understanding or the wisdom of this world. Instead, let us seek God's wisdom and trust in his ways. Type this as we get started tonight. God's way is better. God's way is better. If you go to the guiding word, you'll find some of these things mentioned. God has opened gates, right? God has brought great ease. God has destroyed bondage. God has provided provision and he has provided restoration. In other words, there's nothing you need in your life that God has not already provided. Hallelujah. There's nothing Ralph needs that God has not already provided. There's nothing Courtney or Kim or Everett or Etoy or Trina or April or Chris. There's nothing they need that God has not already provided. Philippians 4 and 19 says this, and my God will supply what? Every need. Not some, not most, not when he feels like it, every need of yours according to his riches and glory. So a lot of times you minimize yourself because you don't think that God can do it because you're basing it off your own bank account. This is a side note. We're going to chase this rabbit for a second. God supplies your need based off his riches. He is not supplying your need based off your account. He is not supplying your need based off your salary. He is not supplying your need based off the economy. He is supplying your need based off his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
And so when God says that he'll do it for me, I don't limit God because I don't see enough in my bank account. I don't limit God because I don't see uh, the degree that they're asking for on the job description. I don't limit God because I'm black. I don't limit God because I'm white. I don't limit God because I'm a woman. God supplies my need according to his riches. All right, let's keep going. Psalms 34 and 10, the young lions suffer and want hunger, hunger, but those who seek the Lord, tell me what they do, lack no good thing. So as long as I make the Lord the thing that I seek after, there's nothing that I will not be able to obtain according to his, his will for my life, right? Once again, we're talking about the guiding word. We're talking about nothing you need. God has not already provided, right? Because we're going to establish the fact that God's way is better. Psalms 37 and 25 says it like this. I have been young and now I am old. Now, if you've been in the church long enough, you know you don't heard somebody preach this. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. In other words, God has always supplied. He has always supplied. Supply isn't anything new to God. Showing up in provision isn't anything new to God. Recession and, and, and depressions and, and all these things, they're not new to God. None of that dictates what God can do to you, for you because his supply is based off his riches. God's children ain't never begged. Hallelujah for bread, never bread bed. So that means I am God's child, so I have to insert myself. Somebody's been young and somebody's been old. I've been both of them. I ain't old yet, though. I'm only 40. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, and I have not begged for bread. God takes care of those that do it his way. That's what you're going to learn tonight in this message. God will take care of those that do it his way. I'm God's, yeah, yeah. We used to always say that, Pastor Evans, come in. I'm God's child, his favorite owner that at. Right. Go ahead and type that. So we ain't said that. I don't know. I'm not sure it's been a while. Go ahead and type to say, I'm God's favorite child. I'm God's favorite. See, I grew up being a favorite. My grandma, that's actually, it's her birthday today. She had been 82 years old today. Uh, happy heavenly birthday to my grandmother. Uh, and I was her favorite. And when you're somebody's favorite, you, you, you're, you're chosen. You get, you get things that everybody else don't get. You have access that everybody else doesn't have. You get, you get, you get preferential treatment. And so as God's favorite child, you have preferential treatment. You get moved to the first of the line. See, when I was growing up, the, all the other grandkids would be like, hey, 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 rap, would you go in there and ask grandma, can we have such and such? Because they knew if I went and asked, there was a much higher likelihood that there would be a yes and than when they went. And so as God's favorite child, when you begin to dwell on those throne room realities and you understand that through Jesus Christ, you have been given access to everything in heaven and you identify as his favorite child, you come boldly to the throne and you ask for what your daddy has already promised to give you, knowing that if you come asking, then he will answer you. Why? Because with 
being the favorite child comes a boldness to ask when everybody else has been told no. See, I wasn't worried about how much money grandma had to spend at the grocery store. I wasn't worried about how many, how if some, she had given some other grandchild money. None of those were concerns to me because when I went and asked, I expected to get. Why? Because I was a favorite. And so as you approach God, you have to understand who you are in him, who I am in Christ. That's why he says, dwell on the, and over there in Colossians 3, that's why he says, see yourself pictured, right? So that you can get the right image so that you can approach with that boldness. All right? So anyway, uh, some of you guys, though, may be thinking like, no, Pastor Ralph, I, I know you, would, I hear what you're saying about God supplying my need, but you may be thinking, well, that's not true for my life. Well, here's one question I want to ask you. Whose way are you following? If you're not getting the things, right? If you're not seeing what God has promised, whose way are you following? Because there's two ways. There's God's way and then there's man's way, right? There's a way that leads to life and Christ Jesus and there's a way that leads to damnation. There's two ways to live. In Proverbs 14 and 12, I here's, I'll read the verse to you. There is a way, there is a way which seems right to a man and it appears straight before him. But at the end of it, the way is death. That's physical death. That's emotional. That could be financial. That could be health related. That could be relational. It could be spiritual death. But the end thereof is death. And so let's look at that word seen. That word seen means to give the impression or sensation of being something or having a particular quality. So there is a way that gives off the impression and the sensation of being what God said it should be. It appears, it gives the impression of being straight before him. So there are things in your life it's going to appear like it's the way it should go. It's going to seem like it's the way it should go. And it's going to give off qualities as if it came from God, but it's still counterfeit because it's not the word that God gives you. It's the way that you have appeared to seem right because you're really chasing after the desires of your own heart and you're not chasing after the things that God has placed in your heart. And so that's the issue that we have is a lot of times we're, we don't do it God's way, though we know God's way is better because we led astray by the lust of our own heart. All right. Here's one of the things that uh, that came out to me as I was uh, studying this for myself uh, is that what the world paints as freedom often becomes bondage for the believer. Because the Lord was talking to me is like a lot of things that the world paints as freedom becomes bondage for the believer. Why? Because it becomes so normal. See, see, in the world, we got laws and we got protections to marry anybody. As long as they're human, you can marry them. In the kingdom, it ain't choices. But if you're not messed up, the freedom and liberties of being a human can interfere with your ability to be a kingdom believer. In the, in, 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 in the world, you can live anywhere you want to. 
But in the kingdom, God may ask you to stay in Northwest Arkansas when you want to go to Atlanta. God may ask you to stay somewhere when you want to be on the beach. See, in, in the world, they say you got the freedom to move about. But in the kingdom, we as regents in the earth, we as directors, we as authorities in the earth, we go to the place that we're called to. So that freedom of moving is free until God says you not to go there. But if you get caught up in how the world thinks, you think I should just be able to go wherever I want to go. And now freedom of the world has become bondage to you because now you're wrestling with whether you should stay in a city that God has already told you that you need to, he needs you in. That ain't a freedom for you. It ain't a freedom to, for you to sleep with somebody that's not your spouse. It ain't a freedom to, for you to not submit and surrender to the people, to authorities in the kingdom of God. It's not free to, you're not free to hate as a born again believer. See, in the world, they like, hate is okay, right? But as a born again believer, you don't have a freedom to hate. You have been mandated to love. You have been mandated to be your brother's keeper. You have been mandated to defend the the, uh, the widows and the children. You have been mandated, right? In the world, you have freedom of speech. But in the kingdom, your speech should be reg regulated to sing what God has said. But when I allow the freedoms of the world to become the thing that leads me, it leads to bondage in the kingdom. So I got to understand that worldly freedoms do not translate to the kingdom always. Because when I do that, that's when I begin to do it my way and God's way is better, right? So you think you're free to pursue money. No, God tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God. He'll add all them other stuff for us. God wants you wealthy. I mean, it tells us that. I Beloved above, above, above all things, I wish that you may be, uh, gosh, why don't I just go above, above, above all things, I wish you may being health and prosper, even as your soul prospers. It's God's will for you to prosper, but it's not God's will for you to pursue money. And so why? Because in pursuit of him, he makes sure that you're provided for. See, in the world, people may think that that whole apology thing yesterday, People in the world, people like, I don't got to forgive. I got a freedom to forgive. I'm free to love, I'm free to give, I'm free to pray. But in the world, in the kingdom, those are mandates. God tells us to forgive. God tells us to love. God tells us to give and it'll be given back to us. God tells us to pray without ceasing. And so one of the ways that we are led astray and we're lulled to sleep by the enemy, we take the freedoms of the world and we put and we try to operate in those, but those aren't freedoms in the kingdom of God because we have mandates in the kingdom that contradict the freedoms of the world. And so you got to choose which way you're going to live by, but let me tell you, God's way is better. As kingdom citizens, we have the ability to choose, but our choice, when not aligned with the kingdom, will always yield inferior outcomes. Your choice, when it's not aligned with the kingdom of God, will always, not sometimes, but always yield inferior outcomes. Societal norms, traditions, cultures, and expectations, if you are not careful, will lull you to sleep and make the expectations of God negotiable. See, if you're not careful, you'll make the expectations of God negotiable because you'll be like, well, everybody else is doing it. 
So, I mean, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I missed God. You didn't miss God. You heard God about the job. You heard God about the man. You heard God about everything else. And it's the same voice telling you, but you just don't want to fast because nobody else is fast. You, you just want to do, you want to do X because everybody else is doing X. But if you're not careful, living at being conformed to this world will cause you to make the things of God negotiable. I love that, Kim. You're right. God is non-negotiable. His words are non-negotiable. And some of us, some people will take this attitude. It doesn't take all that. How many times? Raise your hand if you heard somebody say that. It doesn't take all that. It does if God tells you to. See, take Samson, for example. Because if you're not careful, you'll be just like Samson. You'll find yourself in a powerless situation being tormented simply because you let your guard down. You, you, didn't, you didn't do what God asked you to. It takes all that. It, it takes love. It takes forgiveness. It, it takes obedience. It takes all that, right? But if you're not careful and you live conforming to this world, you'll begin to regulate God's word down to something that's negotiable. And it's not negotiable. It's a commandment. And so what we got to do is make sure that we don't let the conformities of this world cause us to grow weary in our well-doing. Kind of like Samson gave in Daniel 7. He was laying on Delilah's lap and Delilah, Delilah just kept asking him over and over and over and over and over again, right? Uh, and before you know it, he told her the secret to his strength. And then she told somebody else and then they cut off seven of his locks. You know what happened? He allowed the words to get to him. And I love this. I'm not sure if y'all heard this. I'm not sure if it was Sunday or whenever, but Pastor Edwin said something. I've read this scripture and it reminded me of it. It said, he said, the only avenue the enemy has in our life is through words. And if you pull up Daniel 7, 25 again, it says, and he shall speak great what? Words against most high and shall what? Wear out the saints. Those words will wear out the saints. Why? Because you're allowing the word the enemy talking about. You don't have enough. You still sick. Your marriage won't ever work out. Them kids will ever be obedient. You will always be broke. The only, the only avenue the enemy has in your life is through words. And so you can't allow the words that the enemy speak to you to wear you out. Because that's what happened to Daniel. It says... Her, the words wore him out. They wore him out. He just got tired. And so how do you come back that? You always open your mouth and say what God says. I'm the blessed and highly favored. I'm healed of the Lord. My marriage will be whole. The Lord would, Lord, the Lord has joined the, together no man or tear asunder. I put aside my own selfish endeavors. I put aside pride and I walk out my marriage. I declare that my marriage looks exactly like God has called for it to look. It's whole. It's complete. It's upright. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. And I put re restoration above proving to my spouse that I'm right. Because being married isn't about being right. It's about having solutions, right? So, but if you don't speak back to the enemy, his words will wear you down. Isaiah 14, 31 says this, just to come to the other side of that. 
He said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. In other words, those that do it God's way won't get tired. Those that do it God's way won't get weary. Those that do it God's way will walk and not faint. So when I do it God's way, it energizes me to the point that I will have be able to be sustained be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord until I see what he said. So that's the promise that God is giving up, giving us when we do it his way. Why? Because God's way is better. And so while we wait on the Lord, I want to pull up another scripture that, and these are side, side notes, because as I taught, said it this, it made me think about Pastor Edwin's teacher, teaching. On yesterday, he's doing a series uh, for Ed Talk. Tame your thoughts, tame your tongue, tame your temper, and tame your team. In Proverbs 14 and 14, because we're talking about what moves us away from God's way, right? If we know God's way is better, why aren't we following God's way? It says the backslider in heart, all right? You can be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? But the backslider in his heart, where? From God and from fearing God. You have backslidden from God and the fearing God shall be filled with the fruit of what? His own ways. So when I begin to, that's why you got to tame your temperament or tame your heart. When I don't guard my heart, when I just walk out here, when I just do anything, what happens is I begin to backslide from God and the fear of God, reverential fear of God in my heart. And it causes me to be filled with my own ways. And when I'm filled with my own ways, I end up doing it my way, and my way always ends in destruction. Proverbs 12, 14. My way always ends in death. And so I got to be very careful that as I wait on the Lord so that he may renew my strength, that I am guarding my heart so that I am not filled with my own ways. I am guarding what I hear. I'm guarding what I see. I am guarding what I say so that I'm not filled with my own ways because God's way is better, but I'm not going to do it his way as long as my heart is filled with my own ways. So your heart can only be filled, all right, with one thing. All right, and I keep going back to Pastor Edwin's Ed talk. If y'all go back, he did this uh, comparison uh, of water and dropping food color in it. It was such a, a good example, but you got to keep pouring the word in your heart over and over and over. Why? Because from the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. So if in my heart, I am doing my own thing, out of my mouth, I'm going to speak doing my own thing. And because I am a person in this earth with authority, I am going to see what I have said. And what, I, if I, what I'm saying is all things about my way, then I'm going to see the things I want my way. And then my way is going to end in destruction. And then I'm going to wonder how I'm saved but not seeing the things of God because I have not saturated my heart in the word so that my heart from abundance speaks out of my mouth what God has said and my mouth produces what my, I mean, the earth produces what my mouth says. So I see what I say. I see what I say. All right. So in order to do it God's way, what must we do? All right. So. In order to do it God's way, what must we do? Number one, you got to get rid of your own ambition. 
You got to get rid of your own ambition. Psalms 127 and 1 says this, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Except the Lord keeps the city, the watchman wakes up, wakes but and works but in vain. So unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. Here's, here's what a, a good way to, to just uh, understand that. Ambition without God's blessing results in failure. Ambition without God's blessing results in failure. See, and, and see, this is what the thing you got to understand is that God has given us the power to get wealth, right? God has provided us access, right? He wants us prosperous. He wants us to have more than enough. That's his will for our life. But you got to understand that obtaining wealth is one thing. God says that when he gives us to the gifts of God come without repentance. He adds no sorrow to it. I meant to put that in there. So when God makes you wealthy, he adds no sorrow to it. So in other words, God's completeness of wealth will also not bring uh, detriment to your mental health. See, there is a way to become wealthy and you can have money, but you still want to uh, take yourself out. You still unhappy with your marriage. You still unhappy with your life. See, a lot of times you want what God wants for you, but because you're trying to get it in your own way, then it's not complete. God's wealth system is complete. It is total life prosperity, TLP, right? So with God's wealth, also comes peace of mind, also comes abundance of love, also comes patience and forgiveness and long-suffering and joy, right? And meekness and kindness. So with God, you get all of it. But when I pursue things of my flesh, I am only going to maybe get that thing, but it's not complete. You can have money and be tormented in your mind. You can have a great marriage and be broken, can't go nowhere. But with God, he provides it all. It's the total package. So if I'm going to do it God's way, I got to get rid of my own ambition. Number two, uh, I have to refuse, to refuse to trust in myself. I got to refuse to trust in myself. And that's Jeremiah 17 and 5 uh, through 8. It says, and I didn't put it in there because I think it's kind of long. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed with great evil is a strong man that trusts and relies on his frail man. So cursed is a man that trusts in himself. I, you probably, anytime I've taught, I've probably worked this scripture in here. Every time we rely on ourselves, what's relying on myself? Thinking I don't qualify for the job. What's relying on myself? Disqualifying myself from the from getting what God has for me because I don't think I have enough. See, let just, let's be practical. What's What's this? God telling me to, to be, live a healthier life, but then I'm trust, I don't have the ability to uh, get rid of food. You're not even relying on Holy Spirit. You're already discounting yourself. You're, you're already trusting in your own ability to do it. God tells us in Philippians that he, he will give us the ability and the want to and the, and the energy to do what he wills. But if I'm already out there trusting in and relying on myself and my own endeavors and my own energy and my own abilities, then I limit God. It says in verse six, and when you do that, you can be like a shrub or a person naked and destitute in the desert. See, you can be born again and destitute. You don't have to be, but you could be. Why? Did you fail to trust God? 
You trust God for salvation. You trust God for eternal life, but you don't trust God for complete salvation on earth. You don't trust God to be manifested. You don't trust God for your, you trusted God for your, your, uh, your, your eternal salvation, but you're not trusting God to be discipled, to become a follower of him. You're not trusting God to allow his word to penetrate your heart so that you can begin to think differently. You're not trusting God more than you trust your money. You're not trusting God more than you trust grandma and the way she did things. You're not trusting God more than you trust traditions of your family. You have to trust God to see what God has said in this lifetime. See, many will see what God has said about, it, about heaven, but if you want to see what God has said in this lifetime, you got to trust him right now. You got to be saying, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but the God of word says, the God of word says, if I just hold on to what you've said this past year, and if I just be prepared for what is to come, you've already opened gates. God, I can't, I, right now I don't see the gates, but God, I trust you that the same God that brought me salvation, eternal life, will be the same God that shows me the gate that's open for me. That same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will be the same God that brings me out that situation. I trust you, God, more than I do my own intellect. I trust you, God, more than I do my own experiences. I trust you, God, more than I do the physical reality that I live in. I dwell on your word and I meditate on it until it becomes so big in my life that my imagination produces the outcome in which you promise. And then I will see God it here, I will say it, and then I'll see it again. And when I see it in the earth, there will be a repeat of what I've already imagined in my head. Why? Because faith started where the will of God was known. And so where the will of God known? God says that there are open gates. So no matter where I'm going, there is nothing that can close me in. I cannot be contained unless I contain myself. Why? Because there's open gates. There's open gates. But I got to refuse to trust in myself. Why? God's way is better. Number three, I got to deny myself and follow God. Matthew 6 says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to be my disciple, let him do what? Deny himself. Disregard. I got to disregard myself. I got to lose sight of what I desire. I got to forget me and my own interests. See, there are some things you may want and God may say it's not time right now. You got to just take up that cross and follow him because these are things I got to do to do it God's way. Why? Because his way is better. I can't do it God's way as long as I'm regarding my own desires. I can't do it God's way as long as I'm regarding, regarding my own opinion. I can't do it God's way if I fail to lose sight of the things that I want in my own life. In order to do it God's way, I got to deny myself. I got to take up my cross and I got to follow God. Follow looks like someone who goes blindly behind the other person. Right. So not necessarily blindly, but follows after them step for step. So a lot of times when I'm going places, right, I tell my kids, get behind me and follow me. Right. Because as I am the leader of the house and I'm going through the parking lot or I'm going through the store, I am going with the expectation if we encounter danger, I'll deal with it because I'm first in line. And so by the time my kids make it, 
it will be neutralized. Jesus has gone before you. He has dealt with all dangers. He has dealt with all sickness. He has dealt with all debt. He has dealt with all depression. He has overcome all demonic strongholds. He has gone before you. He has dealt with it. He's just saying, follow me. Why? Because God's way is better. All right. Number four, you got to choose to obey God. You have to choose to obey God. Obeying God is a choice. You got to choose to do it. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says it this way, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and do what? Put it into practice. I got to choose to hear and do. Choose to obey God. Hear and do. That word hearken, hear and do. All right? So if I'm going to do it God's way, I got to hear and do. All right? Number five. Number five. Here's another scripture that I don't ever probably teach without. I didn't even type it out. But uh, you got to read and meditate on the word. That example Pastor Evan got. I mean, if you feel this with, I, I drink those flavored water sometimes. My kids like them. Because look, squirt waters, the flavor. So you put it in there. And let's say I had purple Kool-Aid. And you put two or three squirts in there, all the water turns purple. But if I go put this under my sink and run water in it, as the example Pastor Edwin gave, that water that's running in it will eventually, over time, cause all the purple water to dispel or, or exit out. And so the more time I spend reading and meditating on the word, the more I push out things that are contrary to God's way of doing things. The more I push out things that are contrary to the kingdom of God, his way of doing, his way of thinking. And so I got to read and meditate on the word. And the Bible tells us that when I do so, when I read and meditate on the word, I make my way of good success. I have good success. That's what Joshua 1 and 8 tells me. I got to deny myself. That's good, uh, uh, Miss Shannon. She said, I had entirely too much. That's not what I want. And I want in my communication. And a lot of times, it's not about what we want. And let's just be truthful. Sometimes we don't even know what we want. That's why when we spend time in the word of God, the Bible tells us that he will make, he will reveal his will into our hearts so that we'll even know what to desire. See, sometimes the desires that you have ain't even the desires God has for you because they're much bigger. God's like bigger, better, right? And, but a lot of times we always, we get so caught up in our feelings and we get so caught up in our emotions like, I don't feel like it, or I don't want to. And that doesn't matter. Why? Once again, that's one of those freedoms in the world. In the world, you get to choose what you want to not want to do, right? But in the kingdom, we live in the theocracy where God reigns as king. And if the king at summons you, if the king calls you, then it is our job to say yes to that. That's why we have number four was choose to obey God. If you're going to do it God's way, which his way is better, you got to choose it. Then number six, you got to rely on the Holy Spirit. You can't do this without the Holy Spirit. And that's another big kicker on why people find themselves disobedient is because they don't do it. They don't rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's pull up Romans 7. <coughs> It says, so now, if that is the case, then it is no longer I. You know, he's talking about 
how you will to do right and things like that. He said, so now that's the case now. It's no longer I who do it, the disobedient thing which I despise, but the sin nature which lives in me, right? So here's the thing. You can will yourself to do what's right, but you won't ever be able to completely perform it. You can try to will yourself to do what's right, but you cannot perform it. You have intention and urge to do what's right, but you lack the power to carry it out. See, how many of you guys have willed yourself to try to lose weight and then you ended up quitting before that you got to the get to the weight loss goal? Or you lost the weight, but you couldn't sustain it. Why? Because it was willpower. See, willpower is of human strength. Everything human, y'all know Psalms 119 and 96. Somebody go ahead and say that everything human, do what, what does it do? Let me look at these comments. Psalms 19, 96. Everything human, who's going to get it first? As is the good doc, reverend doctor. The, everything human. All right. I know some of y'all, it's lagging. Uh, Pastor Ed was in the uh, thing, so he, he probably heard it first. Everything human has its limits, right? So no matter how strong you think you are. See, that's why some of you, uh, uh, some people ate the cake when they were fasting. because they, they, they didn't rely on Holy Spirit. That's why some people end up doing things of their flesh they don't desire to. Because you're not accessing the power source. Acts 1 and 8 tells us that you shall receive power. Right? You know, Acts 1 and 8. That's when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And that word power there means ability, efficiency, and might. So when I rely on Holy Spirit, it's his natural, right? It's his super on top of my natural, giving me the supernatural ability to do what I couldn't do before. So where you couldn't fast for a whole day, now you can because you rely on the Holy Spirit. Where you couldn't be celibate, where you couldn't go without drinking, where you couldn't go uh, without spending the money, where you couldn't go without cussing out somebody, where you couldn't go with without telling people a piece of your mind. Now you're able to do it. Why? Because you have received the deutimus, the power, the ability to do what you could not do before on your own in the form of the Holy Spirit. So power comes from the Holy Spirit. You can willpower your way into doing it God's way. You have to rely on his power source which is the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we find ourselves coming up short is because we have stepped out of the spirit. It, you and the outcome is godly. He told you this was the year to get the house. He told you that this was the year to have uh, to get married. He told you this was the year to get the job. But you take a word from God and you establish faith, but then you try to walk it out in your own will. You come up with your own plans to produce a godly result, and that will always end up in failure. And see, here's the thing. The enemy will whisper to you things along the way, right? He'll use his word, his avenue within uh, to get within. And so you'll be doing things, and you can produce similar outcomes to what God has called you to produce, but it won't be the godly outcome. And because it's not the godly outcome, the outcome you get is a counterfeit. It looks godly. It shines. It shimmers, but it's not complete. And because it's not complete, then there will be some sorrow with it. 
anything you accomplish outside the will of God will have some sorrow with it. There'll be some torment with it. Why? Because everything outside the will of God ain't complete. It isn't total life prosperity. It isn't TLP. And so when I pursue wet money, or I pursue a job, or I pursue a woman, or I pursue or whatever I pursue, and it's not in the will of God, and I do it out of my flesh, there will be torment. Why? Because you have done it out of your flesh, and outside of your flesh, it's not complete. So you got to understand that God has gone all the way from, he has created the end before the beginning. He has seen eternity. He has seen the end, and he has come back, and he has maneuvered every single possible outcome for your life to be great, right? But And so he's thought about it all. But if I don't do it his way, I invite torment. I invite disaster. I invite hardship anytime I don't do it God's way. And it seems like I'm helping myself. It appears to my flesh that it's easier. It appeals to my flesh because I got it faster, right? God was trying to grow you up in your maturity. That's why you hadn't got the thing yet. God was trying to grow you up in your financial responsibility. That's why you haven't gotten the thing yet. God is trying to grow you up in your character. That's why you hadn't gotten the thing yet. But you expedited God's desires for your life by stepping out of his will and doing shaking some things yourself, right? Because you're intelligent enough. Anybody, Most people are intelligent enough uh, to maneuver some things, to make some things happen. And then you're making these things happen, but you're doing them outside the will of the Father. And so as you maneuver a godly outcome through a fleshly means, then you end up producing a counterfeit. You do the same thing Abraham did when he slept with his wife. You get an Ishmael. I mean, slept with his servant. He had a promise but he went about it doing it his own way. So you got to be careful that as we, as we hear God on where we should go, that we remain in his will on how we accomplish it. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up for tonight, guys. So those are the things. That's what has to happen, Right. In order for us to do it God's way, we got to get out of our, we got to get rid of our own ambition. We got to refuse to trust in ourselves. We got to deny ourselves and follow God. Number four, we got to choose to obey God. Number five, we got to read and meditate on the word of God so we can flush out that bad thinking, right? Number six, we got to rely on the Holy Spirit. So real quick, let me give you seven, seven things, right? While doing it God's way is better. Seven outcomes. Number one, we'll go through these real quick because I know we're at our time. Number one, when we choose to do it God's way, it will establish his thoughts, then your plans. Proverbs 16 and 3. I, I let the scripture preach to you. Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. See, that's that's a whole message in itself. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and do what? Succeed. So number one, when I choose to do it God's way, it establishes his thoughts in my life to produce success in my life. 
his thoughts than my plans. Number two, when we choose to do it God's way, it add, it add to you the things you need. Matthew 6 and 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything you need is added unto you when? When you do it his way. How do you do it his way? You seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does seeking first the kingdom of God looks like? Making the kingdom priority over me. God comes before everything and everybody. Your husband, your child, your job. God's first. You. God first. Right? So, number one. When I do it God's way, it establishes thoughts in my plans. Number two, it adds to me all the things that I need. And here's the great thing about it. He gives us the ability to pray in the Holy Spirit so we can make utterances about things that we don't even know we need. And he will make them show up in our life. Hallelujah. What a great success plan that he has given us. He says there are going to be things you don't know that you even need. So I'm going to give you the ability to speak the perfect language so you can communicate to me exactly what needs to be communicated for you to live your own best life. That's why we ask for you to pray in the Holy Spirit at least an hour a day. It's the perfect language to pray in to make things happen on your behalf. All right. Number three, it causes the devil to flee. When I do it God's way, James 4 and 7 says this, so be subject to God. In other words, submit to God. In other words, do it his way. What happened? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, a lot of times you only have the devil talking to you so much because you ain't resisting. You entertaining. And as long as you entertain his talk, then he's going to keep talking to you. There should be some things as you grow up in Christ that he don't talk to you about no more because you mature, right? You're mature. Now, he, it ain't like he won't always throw out something. Uh, let me throw this out here and see if I, could, I can get old, old Sid caught up, right? I'm not saying that, but the things he's constantly talking to you about, I mean, a lot of those things go away with maturity. And then there's other things that he tried to introduce. But as long as I... I'm subject to God, doing it God's way, the devil will flee. Man, all right, I'm going to come. It reduces drama. Now, I encourage y'all to go read James 4, 1 through 6, and the Good News uh, Translation. All right? It says, I'm going to read it to y'all real quick. It says, where do all the fights and quarrels among you come from? They come from your desires for pleasure, which are constantly fighting within you. See, a lot of times when, when you're upset and fighting and fussing and all of that, you got some inward stuff going on with you. Like the refusal to forgive, the refusal to apologize, the refusal to, to, uh, to, to love people. There, there's some inward things going on. Verse 2 says, you want things, but you can't have them. So you're ready to kill. See, 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 killing doesn't always look like death. You use your words. You talk about the man or woman of God because they got something you don't think they deserve. You, you, okay, then. Uh, Y'all don't like that. All right, let's talk. So, so you, you talk about your coworker. You talk about your boss. You, you, you do these things because, honestly, you're envious of what they have. And instead of being happy for them, you, you, you kill them with your words. You strongly desire things, but you cannot get them, so you quarrel and you fight. 
You do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. Verse three, and when you ask, you do not receive it because your motives are bad. You ask for things to use for your own pleasure. Verse four says, unfaithful people, don't you know that to be the world's friend means to be God's enemy? And if you want to be the world's friend, you make God make yourself God's enemy. My desire to conform and befriend the world makes me an enemy of God. Argue with scripture, not with wrath. See, that's why you got to be really careful about everything you liking on Facebook. You got to be really careful about everything you co-signing to, even if it's your family, even if it's your friends. It doesn't matter what it is. You got to be really careful what you the the way that you're putting words on people. You got to be really careful because when you make the world your friend, you make yourself an enemy to God. Verse 5 says, don't think there's no truth in the scripture that says the spirit that God placed in us is filled with fierce desires, but the grace that God gives is even stronger. Praise God for the grace. As the scripture says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But y'all go, go spend some time over there and then wonder why you're doing some of the things you, you, you got going. You got some inverse stuff going on, which we all do, but, but a lot of the fighting, a lot of core, I was actually going back to think about last night teaching with with married with couples and relationships a lot of times i mean that stuff within you that you ain't dealt with that you take it out on other people that's a whole nother message let's finish up all right we're right at hour all right number five all right when i choose to do it god's way it leads to prosperity Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in the future. So God's way is better. And when I do it God's way and I walk do it according to his plans, I end up living a life full of hope and the future that he has planned for me from the beginning. Number six, I prove the will of God. Romans 12 and 2. I prove the will of God. Do not be conformed to this world. Fashion after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? So that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even thing, even the thing which is good, acceptable, and perfect in his sight for you, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When I refuse to be a friend of the world, when I refuse to conform to the world, when I commit to do it God's way, I prove him. I prove to prove to my for myself what is good. I prove what is acceptable and I prove the perfect will of God when I do it his way. So when I do it God's way, I see what God has said for my life. All right. And then the last one, you manifest your kingdom desires. Proverbs 37, 5 through 6. It says, and post yours up there, say it. I think I put the King James in there. Yeah. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He manifests your kingdom desires when I do it God's way. Why, guys? We said it from the beginning. God's way is better. So in summary, God's way is way better. 
<laughs> he has made known the end from the beginning. He lives as Alpha and Omega. He has seen the end from the beginning and has navigated infinite pathways for you to obtain his premises. Every time you go off, he, he just recalculates and gets you back onto the path for his premises. However, all this begins with you accepting Jesus as the way, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So there's only one way in, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so if tonight, if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior, I invite you to come on home. I invite you to come and become a a part of the best family out there. Hey, don't get caught up in the stuff that you've seen. Don't get caught up in the, what other churches and other people are doing. Trust me when I say there's no family like the kingdom of God. And when you come into this family, you will experience love. You experience the Holy Spirit. It will absolutely change your life. So I invite you to come in. I invite you to invite Jesus into your heart tonight. Just say this prayer. Father God, I invite Jesus to my heart. I know that you raised him from the dead. And I know that he died so that so for the uh, remission of my sins. I thank you that I'm whole. I thank you that I'm complete. I thank you that your Holy Spirit fills my heart and that I've manifest your kingdom in this earth. And if you said that prayer, let somebody know. Uh, inbox me, inbox any of the pastors, the Elder Valley, anybody at the church, inbox your friend who you know go to church. Then get connected to a church. We are an awesome ministry. I, I, I really highly encourage you just come on over here to focchurch.com and become a partner and let us know that you gave your life to Christ. If you want to rededicate your life, if you want prayer, reach out to the prayer team. What we want is a body of believers who able to eat the meat of the word so that we can go across all seven continents of this world, teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and seeing men come into the kingdom. That's what we want to do. But in order to do that, we all got to grow up. We all got to step out of our selfishness. We all got to commit to doing it God's way. Why? Because his way is better. Yeah, but we worldwide, all seven continents, right? Partners on all seven continents. Now, I'm, for y'all that like snow, y'all can go ahead and have Antarctica. I'm going to let y'all have that one. But uh, but there's several others I'll visit. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go wherever God tells me to go. Why? Because his way is better. All right? So, do not allow your fleshly desires or worldly constructs, opinions, and freedoms to lull you to sleep. Commit to doing it God's way so that you may experience the abundant life he has, he has promised for your life. All right? You guys know it, FOC. Uh, we thank God for our thousand partners plus coming home now. Amen, Pastor Edwin. Thousand partners plus. Thousand partners plus. Uh, FOC, you guys know that we are 100% tithers. We take great pride in the fact that uh, we have 100% of our partners tithing. And that gives us the ability to do ministry around the world. That gives us the ability to help people out, help not individuals, to help other churches, to help organizations, to help, right? I, I was reading something the other day uh, about a church that paid off a bunch of medical bills, right? And people are like, yeah, that's what the church supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. By the time they, you see a ministry doing the, the uh, what, what ministry is supposed to do, and I'm just thinking these same people are the ones that they ain't giving a dime to the ministry to help do anything. Ministries are able to do things because of generous givers like you. And at FOC, man, y'all 
are givers. Y'all are sores. And I love the day that we give so much that Pastor Edwin comes back and says, hey, like they like they, they did in the New Testament. Hey, I need y'all just to stop giving. Wouldn't that be a testimony? Wouldn't that be that you're, man, can y'all just hold off on this next seed? Why? Because there's work to be done. Like the prophecy tells us in the next six months, right? There are going to be people dramatically impacted by the changes in the economy and the things that are coming. They're going to need financial assistance. I heard that God, y'all might as well type in the uh, uh, comments, all y'all that's still here, ain't going to be me. Ain't gonna, I'm going to be given assistance. I won't need it. I'm going to be given assistance. I won't need it. I'm going to be sowing extra into the body so that we can take care of them, but I won't need it. And so we got to make sure that we're doing our part. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the sower, right? The Bible tells us greater, it's better to give than to have to receive. So I'm going, it won't be me. Won't be me needing, but it will be me sowing. At every opportunity that I get and led by the Spirit, I will be sowing seed, right? And this is a good time to be sowing. Why? Because as we sow, we have an expectation of harvest. All right? So you guys make sure you give. Give a five, push, pay, tithe, text to give. And then for our international partners, you know you can take advantage of the uh, PayPal. All right? I will see you guys on Friday for uh, Friday morning prayer. Champion Circle at 6.30 a.m., all right? So that's the next time we'll be together. And so I love you guys. I want you guys to be blessed and have a great rest of the week. And make sure that you invite somebody to come join you for prayer on Saturday, I mean, Friday morning. Love you. Bye-bye.